Blog Talk Radio. Out. Uh, shitty internet, I guess. Probably because of the tags I put on this. Because if you look, if you care to even look at the tags I put on my podcast, I put stuff on there that I think that I'm a cover or at least relate to what I'm covering. And everybody don't like what they be seeing. Everybody don't like to talk about racism. Everybody don't like to talk about race relations. People definitely don't want to talk about stuff going on with black people and the stuff that affect black people. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was some foolery going on. But anyway, thank y'all for checking in and uh, rocking for another verse. The King Vision, the Vision of a King. I'm hoping some people hop on. I'm running late, um, but it's all good. Um, I'm really trying to be more consistent with this. Thank y'all that have listened. I had went to the uh, my stats, and I seen that people in Ukraine had listened, people in the Philippines had listened, people in uh, Canada had listened, and I think that's dope. So keep keep listening. I'm gonna try to put more content up, but y'all are making me uh, believe in what I'm doing, and I believe in y'all for listening. So thank you to everybody that's listened. Um, I keep it interesting, um, and hopefully in this new year I can put more content out. Um, and hopefully attract you to kind of what you. Yo, I think I'm connected. Even though I'm not on For joining, I apologize for the technical difficulties. It's probably due to what I said earlier. It just disconnected earlier. Trashness. Uh, but again, I'm a conspiracy theorist, and I believe that it's not um, a coincidence that this is going on. So, yeah, man, that's what I'm gonna say. But um, again, thank y'all for checking in, checking in with me. This episode for the first 2018. For the first episode of 2018, it's already pretty trash. But uh, eight minutes in, 11 minutes in, dang, uh, you know, we're going to make it work. Technical difficulties. My Internet was kind of tripping. It's going in and out, actually, but whatever. Um, but, yeah, man, so today I kind of just wanted to go and talk about uh, some of the recent things that kind of went on uh, and some of the people's comments and it's interesting what people been on recently. It's interesting the things that's been in the news recently. Um, I, of course, I like hip-hop, and I like talking hip-hop, and I like talking 
the politics of hip hop and how they relate to the general politics of the community because nothing is uh nothing is uh, uh like an accident everything's on purpose everything's done with intention and uh you might not know the necessary intention behind it but it's always intention behind stuff so you got to kind of just keep your ear to the street um so yeah man one of the one of the things i kind of wanted to start with was uh was just uh, talking about uh joe button with this whole thing with him and complex and the whole thing with the everyday struggle for those that might not know or care about joe button and what he be on uh him and dj academics who again for those who don't know is a uh he's like a hip-hop blogger almost and uh, he puts out videos talking about happenings in hip hop, um, and so he's he's someone that's considered a, a I guess a, a, a connoisseur and someone whose opinion gets uh, FaceTime in the general media, and so and he's built his brand from YouTube all the way up to Complex, and so that's dope. You know, a lot of people can't say that they literally started something by themselves. And then it kind of got its worked its way up to a point where uh, now, you know, he got millions and hundreds of thousands of followers and he getting deals signed and that's dope. Uh, but it's so crazy because, you know, thank God for podcasts, right? Joe Budden talks about his podcast um, just about how Complex did them and the kinds of moves that they tried to pull. And it's very, I mean, Y'all work at jobs and they do the same stuff, you know. You done been at your job where you get paid for this, but then they want you to do this extra stuff over here that don't really got nothing to do with you or what you get paid to do. Or maybe it's kind of related, but that's not your real job. So, you know, trying to figure that out has been crazy. You're... Hey, yo. What's good, bro? And a whole lot of nothing, man. <clears throat> Excuse me, a whole lot of nothing, man. Yeah, I've been. I had to. I had to do this on the phone, man. My internet was tripping. Every time I tried to direct connect, it just would freeze and shut down. I was like, oh man. So we might have to deal with that delay tonight since I'm on the phone. But I definitely appreciate you uh, jumping on. Yeah, man. You already know what it is. Uh, you seem to be clear right now. So let's see if they will we'll stay clear tonight. Word, word. Well, I had just kind of kicked off, uh, and I was just uh, getting into the old Joe Button, uh, DJ Academics Complex situation, and I was really drawing parallels between, um, you know, that situation and how Complex tried to abuse Joe Button and really to regular work. Like, we all at our job, and even at school, like, professors and people want you to do stuff that really don't have nothing to do with why you're there. And right. so it's just like really, this ain't really much different than, than anything that goes on in the workplace. They're just giving it a name and a face and a price point that make you really look at it different. Like, oh, man, that's crazy, you know, that they would do that. Because he said, he said they went as far as trying to put place product into the show. They gave them a, a, a chief set. They didn't put no marketing behind it. And then y'all want them to wear shoes, and y'all already got the check to Nike. That's trifling as hell to say, right. <laughs> not nah, I mean, so you going to give me a pair of shoes that I can buy on my own, specifically for Joe, Joe Button and DJ Academics, who both seeing enough money to wear, they don't need no, they can go buy any pair of Nikes they want. You know, right. the disrespect that they did was just so crazy, but then, like I said, when you really sit back and think about it, it's like, well, 
I'm pretty sure every job I done had done asked me to do some stuff that I ain't really want to do or it was kind of outside of my responsibilities or it just wasn't the appropriate thing to be like, not not necessarily inappropriate, but um, that, that, that particular task or that thing that you want me to do is kind of like, but why though? You know, and, and, and I'm not being compensated for it. That sounds wild, you know, and the yeah. fact that it's exposing the industry. And that, and then that last point you just said is exactly what I was going towards as far as the, not only exposing these industries for um, asking people to do things outside of not only their um, job descriptions, but also their humanity sometimes, um, especially right. without, you know, proper respect of, of that humanity. Um, and that's happening everywhere. And that's one thing you brought up is like, bro, that's, that's not an awkward, you know, that's now what I also want to bring attention to is like, people's uh, lack of uh, standing up for themselves that they blame on everybody else. Like, hey, y'all, like, come to my rescue because this person did something to me and I didn't just stand up and say, nah, I'm, I'm good on it. And 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 when you do right. that, you want a huge horizon. Like, it's actually just for you. Like, oh, no, nah, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> yeah, right. you may get right. fired, but that, that, that respect for yourself is only going to be for you. Well, and it's interesting because we have both players in the workplace. You have your Joe Button who was like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm worth, and I'm going to take my challenge over here because what's not going to happen is you're not going to get all of this free work out of me for nothing. And then you got your academic types where it's like, well, you know, I always wanted to work for Wells Fargo, you know, and I always wanted to be a vice president at Wells Fargo. So even though what they're doing to me is not right, let's talk about it first, you know, because maybe we can come to a middle ground versus no – Wells Fargo wanted you because of who you are, and Bank of America needs one of you too. So why would you let Wells Fargo disrespect you in that way? Um, and I think, like they said, for academics, they were saying, like, you know, he uh, industry perks, you know, like free clothes and shoes and a free stay at this, you know, hotel and, like, little things that he said because he's so new. You know, and the way that they described it was, like, this is his prom, like he's being introduced into the industry and his lifestyle. And, right. you know, being on the outside – I'm glad that I've lived, because I think one thing that we can say, specifically me and you, is we've experienced things that's given us enough, given us enough of a glimpse of a lifestyle that we can say on some level we've lived it, and we know it's more to it. You know what I'm right. saying? So free stuff don't don't really move us like that, because we just got free stuff. Um, right. Even if it's free, cause, and then for me, for me, it's like, all right, so you want to give me a free pair of shoes? I ain't even wearing them, bitches. I'm about to sell them. <laughs> I don't even want them. You know, so it's like really honestly, I want more than I want more than the money. Right. Can I get a shoe? If you're gonna be in the business of having me wearing shoes, can I get my own shoe? You know, or something like that. But um, you know, it's it, it, it's just interesting because again, it's the same stuff that they try to pull in the workplace where it's like, you know, you want to give me this bonus at the end of the year, but I'm gonna need this bonus every month because I'm overperforming. I'm getting you numbers. I'm getting you getting you're successful because of the work that I'm putting in. Why 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 am I waiting till Christmas time when I'm gonna turn around and blow that whole bonus on my family? I ain't gonna see that bonus. You, did, you, you know, did, so you it's a situation. You gave me a percentage of the profits, but you didn't give me the bonus for every quarter that you invested the extra money you made off of me. Right. Right. And you got your bonus. <laughs> oh, you That's got your crazy part. Every quarter. Yeah. Every quarter. And maybe and the holiday maybe uh, twice a quarter, and the holiday bonus that we got that's that's the second that's that's the that's the five bonuses per year plan. 
Right. And they, and we're not even mentioning the company car and the uh, spin car that you got access to. You know, so oh, no, oh my, don't, don't, don't start me on how how they make a lot of money. They don't spend it. Don't start me on see what they do. Hey, is let's they talk us, about it. They show us athletes. So, so even in this in this conversation, what they were trying to do with Joe Buttons versus academics was they literally do what they do to athletes, which is we're not going to pay you a lot of money because hey, you you don't really need any gear. You work you work for a, a franchise, so we give you all the shoes, all the apparel, anything you need to work out to keep your body in shape. We give you all this stuff. So even even when you look at NCAA, like, hey man, like we give you all this stuff. So what, what what do you have expenses for? Like we don't have to pay you the money. We don't have to give you any ownership. We don't have to give you any um, residual income that will come even after you're dead to your family to make sure that you know what I'm saying you're gonna be viable even be, beyond um, your physical body. Like we don't have to do those things. That's the way that right. and even as they make more income, still finding ways to. Hey, I don't want to pay. Uh, we can call it taxes. We can call it uh, paying employers or, empl- or employees. We can call it whatever you want to call it, but not sharing the profits or their income thereafter. So it's still a kind of recognition of how selfish financially and economically the entire fucking system is. And even in the world of education, like I don't know what you done seen, but these presidents and deans, they got perks with the college and the university. To a point where whether it's a car, whether it's free food, whether it's you know tra- free travel, you know hey, all house. kinds of little perks like what? Hey, man, right, man. right, an entire home, right. Um, and it, it's one and of the craziest crazy. things that I ever seen was the one of the vice presidents at, the, at one of the schools. Um, she, so she, one of her areas, she would take money out of that area, like about ten thousand dollars for a Christmas party. So this is money that should be allocated for other things related to student success, and you're allocating it to a Christmas party. First off, what if I'm like Hindu? Or and then second, the question is like, all right, so uh, you make over a hundred thousand dollars a year, so yes. you probably can afford on some level to to pay for some catering. Second, you got uh, over fifty employees under your umbrella, so if you made it a potluck type Christmas party, there will be more than enough food. Why do you need to take $10,000 away from student success, potentially, that could be allocated elsewhere or to, to provide a service that's going to be more beneficial to the students? This, this 10000 is spent on one day, and more than that, a good chunk of the shit that you buy, you end up throwing away and donating anyway because people don't want that shit. So it's, it's just like, it's, it, even with that, it, it's deeper than just celebrities and stuff. Right, right, right on campus. You know, so it, it, it's sad to see and say, but... It's one of them things where it's like they make it, they build it up to where, you know, if you're an executive of any kind, they make you feel like you deserve those those perks. So you do, on top of that, you like you said, you, you get greedy because you're already making good money. You already got influence. You're already getting tons of free stuff. So why do you need the spin car too? And why do you need the car too? You know, you, that, that could be allocated elsewhere. Somebody don't got no car, you know. But so it's, it. just, it's just a crazy Go ahead. This is this is endemic of, of how the system is created, though, Omar. We used to have these debates in the lunchroom all the time when when people were trying to convince us that because this person um, has ownership and puts their name out there um, for these products, they are somehow entitled to the most uh, most of the dividends. But we now have a a, a, a plethora of people who have um, never been either put in jail for financial fraud of people's money 
or have never been um, subject to any kind of, you know, cumulative or real damages for people for um, the things that they have created or issues they have created for people outside themselves. And we're talking about people in banking. We're not just talking about products, but people with banking, people in other financial sects like retirement, um, IRAs and things like that. Like this oh, is an industry that like if you, if you fuck people over, like good job, get your money up. Like this is really where, what it sounds like in our system. And that's not something that um, everyone should participate in, but it seems like you still dangle the, the carrot in front of people to, if one day you can get in a position where you could do this, would you? And, and the answer all too often, sadly, is yes. Like, uh, um, if I can, if, if I need products to be made for my t-shirts and it happens to be in a sweatshop in Minnesota or Milwaukee or wherever, you know what I'm saying? Like, am I willing to do it? Absolutely. Cause I want to be famous and I want to have t-shirts and products and all that. But at the end of the day, you're not physically making those things. You're not physically putting in, the manpower, we now have a one-click, one-call kind of system to use slave labor for somebody else to get paid um, pennies on the dollar. And it's so crazy, too, because even sticking with the theme of hip-hop, that's kind of the wave. Like, so you get signed, and you get fucked over, and then you get a label, and then you sign an artist, and then you fuck him over, and then he get a label. And so oh, yeah. the label at oh, yeah. the top is still making money off of all of that. Yeah. Hip-hop became, <laughs> you know, that, that became Amway, uh, Mary Kay. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Oh, man, it is, especially now. Especially now. Because dudes be giving each other, like, that was your man, and then you gave him, like, you got a terrible deal, and then you gave your man that same deal. Same deal. <laughs> like, you signed him with a smile. Man. You signed him right. with a smile. Right. The same bullshit deal. Cause you didn't want to look foolish. Well, you wanted to recuperate the money you spent, and the money you lost. So in your mind, it's like, well, I'm owed this because somebody else got money off me. And it's so funny too, because if you if you really are into like uh, like New York hip hop and you listen to the Locks, the Locks did a skit called "Raping You Records" on their album, and this it is it is so on point to what hip hop is, specifically what the Bad Boy era was like. Is like. Because it's called raping you records, and he just go in like, oh, he go chain, you know, he got some clothes. Like, oh, don't worry about that. We we'll build you for it later. Take that, take that. It was just it, it was just a crazy little like he it's they made enough. fun of like we got this artist, you know, but but real talk, you we gonna get all the money off you. Yeah, we gonna get you a little bag. We gonna get you a little chain. We gonna get you a little, you know, you gonna be nice. You gonna have your little weed. You gonna have your liquor, you know. But bruh, you gonna get a hundred thousand. We gonna get a million, and that's what that is. And 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 it's not something that. With entertainment, with black popular sport or entertainment, it is anything new. I mean, that's really the issue that we have right now with uh, ownership versus the players. Um, as you were describing, it was like, bro, the, the movie Cadillac Records, like they put stuff in the movies like so easily just in case you couldn't read it. Like, hey, we're going to show you Little Richard's story and we're going to show you Cadillac Records and show you like how literally it's set and, and the Temptation story and Motown and American Dream. Instead of paying people, what we try to do is show them all this material stuff that you can't pass down or resources that you like. We don't give you actual resources to get you out of. It. We're gonna feed your um, ego and things that you really are not gonna be, you know, trying to establish yourself. And 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 right. let's not ignore when you really try to establish yourself, we'll kill those people so you don't think about it. Right. Yeah, I've been really soul lately, and it's like um, we can't ignore that. When you have people like Sam Cooke who's trying to start their own record labels back in the, in the, in the 40s and 50s. Um, we talk about people even in hip-hop who try to do it and, and the difficulties they, they find. Even today talking about how um, 
the 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 uh, stifling of distribution of of music, even when it comes to streaming. Like you know what you know who streams your music, and you got to pay for it. Right, right. Like you you got to pay per click, man. You got to pay. They try to get to listen, like literally, like oh, you want to listen to this next song? Pay to click that one. <laughs> right, and that let's not even get into the whole net neutrality shit because. That's the whole thing where it's like, will we be able to get to that pill? Like, if you, well, your internet, like, and, and of course, the, the cool thing about people is there's always going to be an underground. So all of this net neutrality stuff that they're going to try, people going to find workarounds because people are people. And we ain't going to yeah. never not have access to the things that we want. I had a yeah. kid, a Hispanic kid at high school tell me, yeah, how much you pay for your Apple Music? I was like, it's $10 a month. He was like, yeah, mine's free. I know how to get it for free. So these kids yeah. ain't playing like they they really got about their life like you're not gonna just shut them down like that. That's people, Omar. So, uh, I just remember, right. We grew up in a society where like we were the first era that got the internet and got music and got all that stuff, and we learned like we were man. Remember when schools first got internet and they were trying to like well they were trying yep. to shut it down. We was like it's only gonna be in the library and there's gonna be certain websites shut down and all that kind of stuff. We were like, okay, y'all don't know nothing about computers. <laughs> Right. So, right. Gonna be one kid. We, we definitely got the candy stand. You remember candy stand? <laughs> man, it's going to be one kid who's going to say, like, look, look, what you need to do is go to this right here. This right here is actually a browser. They don't know that. <laughs> right. Uh, that's right. Do your thing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And just understand he, he what you movies. said. Like, there's always going to be an underground. And even when they start talking about things like the dark web, they're trying to show you, like, oh, we even trying to infiltrate the underground so we can t- continue to keep control and voices and narratives in all spaces. It's really an occupation of right. all spaces, even those spaces that um, are back channels. Like, I always reflect on, like, even before the era of the Internet, Omar, like, we found ways to um, circumnavigate the pressures of oppression. So I've had people boost right. uh, electricity, had people boost water. Um, my cable, the cable was on and off in my home because we couldn't afford it. So mm-hmm. uh, we paid people to climb that pole. Right. Um, even when, right. even when uh, got high tech and satellite, satellite used to get boosted. Oh my, we've done it all. <laughs> right, we gonna get to it. We gonna get oh, to it. Oh, I, I was I, Omar. I was okay with cable. I saw the physical person go up the pole and do it. But we got satellite right. and then boosted that shit, and I was amazed. <laughs> oh yeah, because he was like, "That's all we had to do." <laughs> like, That's all we had to do. You be, you be more. Right, you'd be more amazed at the process that you thought was so difficult, and you done paid him sixty dollars to come out there. He ain't do nothing, really. He put the shit. <laughs> so, I could have put that dish out there. <laughs> right, right, and it's one of them things too, where it, it, it's almost like, like you said, with everything, where it's like, well, you're really not gonna find a way to block everything. Like people still go, but the the real question is how, because it's almost like even with like talk about the dark web, for example, like everybody don't know about that. Everybody don't know how to get in. Now, to be honest. I think I used to know back when you had to go to these other random sites to see this stuff because the internet wasn't so raw like it is now. So it was like you had to find them backdoor sites that had that free, reckless content on it, but now all the content is reckless. So it's like there's not too much that's on the dark web that you would – I mean, there's a lot that you can find that's not on the dark web that should probably be, but um, it's one of them situations where it's like people don't really know – the ins and outs of that, they don't even know that it exists. If you tell it to them, they don't really want to hear it because they're like, well, what is it? What, why do I care? Like, what does it have to do with me? But then when you, but when you introduce the idea of, so 
going back to what we were saying, Everyday Struggle is your favorite show on YouTube, but for some reason you can't find that bitch. <laughs> you going on YouTube and you just search it and search it and search it and you just can't find it, but then you come across that dude, like you said, that dude who got that link to it right there, boom, he takes you straight to it, no problems, no issue, for free, he ain't going to charge you, you know, so it's just like one of them things where, like you said, people going to find a way. A conversation I had today with somebody with, bruh, cable's done, bruh. Nobody wants to say it. Cable is done. I don't. Yeah. I about don't know people that got cable still. Like wire cable. Most people I know have internet cable, um, some some uh, fire stick, or some other kind of streaming service where it's ten twenty dollars a month, and that's what they own. People ain't paying that ninety hundred dollars for a month for, for for TV no more. The content is terrible, and the content the content kings are people like me and you who this this organic stuff that that's what people want to hear. Like people tired of CNN, they tired of MTV. They see, they understand what that is, and it's the same old shit. So now it's turning into the thing where it's like, man, we gotta get something different. And these kids, like, like that, just like us, we didn't want to watch the news the way that our parents watch the news. We didn't want to listen to music the way our parents listen to the music. It's the same thing. These kids are on something totally different. They never gonna be the same. So the kids that's in middle school now will not be checking CNN to see what happened in the world today. They're going to be in an app. They're going to be at a, a, on social media. They're going to be listening to podcasts. It's going to be something way, way different than what's going on right now. And that actually, yeah. with that being said, too, one of the other topics that I kind of wanted to hit is uh, kind of a bar ball with this whole league and kind of w- what that means for kind of knowing your worth and really offering the opportunity. Like, I really want to hear your thoughts, because I don't hear a lot of different opinions on kind of what he's trying to do and, and what it means for to, for the young athletes that pursue that and uh, what it means for just the NBA. Because if you ask me, if he pull this off, this league will probably be more entertaining than the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Because one thing, one thing I mean, you I like to be transparent. I'm in higher education. But I'm also a person that's also very uh, try to be pragmatic and understanding that, like, whenever he even pulled his child, his ch- uh, son out of UCLA, as they made it sound like, you know, somebody was a he can't literally pull kids out of university like that. That parents can't do that. I don't think people understand that. But anyway, right. um, whenever right. I transpired, I was always I was always in the camp of like, hey y'all, like UCLA making free money off of this uh, young man playing basketball is never going to be better than this young man um, being more autonomous and having an opportunity to uh, choose if he wants to make money or not. Um, And I can't tell of a young man at any age to not gather resources for himself or his family, um, especially in the current financial economic state that uh, all black people um, around the world are in. Um, Yes, not chase money, but still understanding like, UCLA is going to get their check regardless at this point in time in, 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 in the world. And I'm never going to shed a, a, a single tear for any opportunity for us to make money um, looking at other opportunities at universities as like those free opportunities they, they claim to give us, as we were talking about before, with all the clothes and stuff. They're making billions on the right. back end of So, so they still have to, I can't, I can't, I, I can't, I can't fret on that. But as it relates to the league, Man, this the, the, the com- this, this time is interesting because we're 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 not the first generation to see it. I don't want to ever get caught up in the moment to see that we need to have more viable um, alternative. That when I say alternative, I mean just exclusively black-owned, black, um, kind of industries. Um, 
But we're really starting to truly believe in it again, especially it, even if it's the minor league kind of situation. That was the, the idea behind having a Negro League and having the ABA and, and having those things that are completely separate because it, it really spoke to how we are socialized differently. Um, even as we watch, you know, the games, NFL, NBA, NCAA is one of the things where, um, as other scholars have said, we are inundated with what, what we call, quote, unquote, American culture, but white patriarchal, you know, white supremacy culture, where it's like, well, we're going to give some entertainment, but the entire product is going to be centered around, you know, American culture. So even from the beer right. to the, the the women and, and the men and the all this is going to be, um, they like to call it some type of conglomeration, but if you are outside of mainstream white patriarchal supremacy culture, you know what it is when you see it. So that's why even going back right. to your comment about cable, like I need to get rid of my cable because that's exactly what the poor programming is. It's the constant push of this. We want to go back or continue this, um, you know, kind of what we've done before. And at no point in time were people down with it, but when they were felt like they were stifled and this was new technology, they, they felt, you know, okay, we'll just watch um, Leave it to Beaver. We'll watch, um, and Archie Bunker, and we'll, we'll, we'll watch the good times. That's the only thing that comes on. Ric Flair, you know, we'll watch those things. But now we're at a place where I'm not forced to. I can listen to this podcast. I can I can listen to, you know, I can watch it on, on, on many of platforms where I'm not as stifled as I used to be. Very true. Very true. And it's, it's with that, with the league, I mean, it's almost like, I mean, because it's kind of the same with the, uh, league, because if you think about the, like sports, there's some hella athletes that because of who they are, like a Marshawn Lynch who took a little, you know, backseat for a second just to bounce back. Um, right. It's like you. That's not, and, and again, kind of ties back into what you're saying too about the culture and what it looks like. And because black people love Marshawn Lynch, Lynch, because everybody got a cousin like that. You know, he gonna yeah. say what he want to say. He gonna do what he want to do. He got swag about himself. He he, you know what I'm saying? He's a man. He's what a man he's is. Successful. You know, he he's stands successful. Right, right. He's standing his ground. You know, he's very successful. He's he he can he can articulate himself, and he know when to shut up. And that's as a man, that's the biggest. That's a man shit right there. When you know when to, you know how to like, you know when not to say something. Because there's plenty you can say, but you really choosing to kind of hold your tongue. That's 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 some man shit right there. So it's just, yeah. and, and he got disrespected bigger than anybody. Like, they literally snubbed him at the Super Bowl. Like, how do you – my man done shattered the whole game, and then at the last play to win the game, you just really don't give – really? Nobody's stopping him the whole game, and at the end of the game, you don't give him the ball. But yeah. going back to the league thing, it's like, how many of these dudes that may have, may have went to prison or maybe they, they – or, or like you said, that dude from the high school who – he was better than everybody on the team. He just never had the grades. And then now they got a chance to really go out here and make some money hooping. Like some of these dudes will probably leave the streets. Some of these dudes right. is like young, like 20 and 21. They're going to leave right. the streets and go hoop. That's huge. That is huge. Oh, 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 and then, oh my God. Go ahead. I kind of want to bring in a story, like, just real quick, because, like, what, what it's really linked to is, like, I was having a conversation with a grandfather recently, and he was talking about how on his job, he also like has little side hustles and his wife had a hustle. So they all were, always were kind of running their own inner kind of business and corporations to keep their money and stuff viable, buy land and be able to buy land and own their house even to this day. And it's one of the things where what you're speaking of is 
none of this that we we've ever discussed is by accident or incident or coincidence. It's all these things that through stifling and true oppression that these things have existed. So when you said like these people can get off the streets, it's like we we know um, not necessarily just athletes, but a myriad of people who have a myriad of skills who find themselves in in prison or in jail or selling drugs or doing whatever who can find viability elsewhere given time, space, and opportunity. So, right. One thing he discussed in the story was people coming to him and saying like, hey, you can't do that. You can't sell peanuts on the job no more. But since you got them today, let me get two bags. You see what I'm saying? Is that kind right. of idea? <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't like that you found, I don't like that you use your genuine God-given ingenuity to continue yourself and be viable um, because your all of that will make it equal. All of that will balance out. Like if we let things be fair, the fear is it won't be fair. Right. The, the, the darkness and it will won't. shine. Honestly, it won't. I was gonna say it honestly, won't. it won't be fair. It, because if we were given the space to be fully creative with nobody shutting us down, nobody saying nothing to us, nobody coming at us and questioning that who we are as people. Because of what we're doing, cause just because what we do, like we're doing it a little bit different, or we're doing it on our standards but instead of on someone else's standards, we would, bro, it would be out of control. It would be out of control, and that's why I'm saying that's why I'm saying it, part of my fear with this whole Levar Ball that I want it to happen, but I don't see them letting it last too long because he could literally shut the NBA down if he got enough people to buy into it. He found enough people that's willing to make. Um, you know, a hundred thousand or thirty thousand. Because I think he said the the lowest person would make three thousand dollars a month. And I I know people that work every day that don't make three thousand three thousand dollars a month. So you mean to tell me you gonna go make that to hoop? That's love, bro. That is love that you make that to go play ball. So because right. um, you can still make other monies while you're doing it. So right. it's my personal opinion that if he's allowed to flourish, that he would very quickly overtake the popularity of the NBA because it's gonna have that street ball element. It's going to have that, you know, game element of, like, uh, the competitiveness of just, a, a, like, an NCAA-type game and then the streetball element of just raw talent out there that's just exhibiting it. Because you got players like uh, like Brandon Jennings, who's, like, kind of flashy, but, like, the, right. it's almost like the league don't want you to be too flashy no more. You know, like, they want you to be nice, but when the last time we've seen, like, a – uh, Jason Williams, Magic Johnson type that's just so raw and nasty and just unorthodox with a talent. You know, it's almost like they want that. I mean, they want a superstar, but it almost got to be like a certain type of superstar, and you got to be kind of polished. On, on like, It's almost like the off-the-floor stuff count way more than the on-the-floor stuff these days. You know, so it's, it's one of them situations where, you know, I think he would very quickly – have us not, like, Lonzo Ball and all his sons won't even be in the NBA. They'll all be in this league, and then this will be the hottest thing on ESPN or whatever the sport, whatever network picked them up, you know. So, like I said, I think anything we were allowed, anything that we're allowed, like, if we were to put the uh, founders of hip-hop at the heads of these record labels that are hip-hop-based, hip-hop would change so crazy, it would be dumb. You think think this is popping now? It would be crazy if – Grandmaster Flash and we had Big Daddy Kane and some of them running these big record labels and having control over these artists and the budgets and stuff like that. It'll be out of control. On top of some of the some of them would still be making music. On top of the ones behind them would probably still get respect and they would get you know highlighted like how Drink Champs. Like it's sad that we Drink Champs is our way to acknowledge elders 
in the in the culture. That's trash. Like I mean, that's what's up because I like Drink Champs as a podcast. But I'm saying like, look at what they're doing. Like they're saying like y'all are like your culture is like almost like a. It's like a I don't even have a word for it, but it's like the way that we're gonna let you celebrate it is pretty much to get drunk and have the people get drunk instead of like you don't do that in, with other cultures. You know what I'm saying? Right. You allow them to set up their own little recognition channels and then let them, let them set up their own little you know shows and things like that. But for hip hop, it's like like they be like Nori be saying like you want to push people and say they oh you want to say but like you and like you said in the podcast before. Meanwhile, the Rolling Stones is a touring right now. You know, little stuff like that. So. It's like, you know, if we with, with 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 art, with music, with entertainment, you know, imagine if Hollywood were allow were to allow black like and and let me let me be clear, they if they were to allow um um like what would be considered a real black person with a real black experience to write movies, like Get Out was cool, but that's an interesting movie coming from a mixed dude because that's like his life, so right. he really speaking to. Well, I'm kind of this white kid that get treated bad, you know, because part of my identity is white, and people don't see me as such. So I got to deal with being black, even though part right. of my identity is not black, you know. So he gets the accolades, but it's like if Dave Chappelle may get out, it'd probably be way better. Um, just like they gave Key and Peele Dave Chappelle show and called it something different because it's literally the Chappelle show, like he said. Um, but will we have given it the accolades and will we have given it the FaceTime? You know, if it was just if, – if Spike Lee put it out, would they have given it that much press? You know, right. so it's just one of them things where I I believe that if we were allowed to flourish, there would be no end. I mean, and one thing that you kind of spoke to that I want to go back to, and, and I see it in so many different industries and even in jobs, like you said, like we spoke up to in this podcast, is really like how there's also a, a passive a whitewashing of – individuals in our society and, and we see a lot of times with our athletes um you're discussing just like just suppose marshawn lynch and how he carries himself and interacting with his job um his career versus some of the other athletes who um are so tentative to 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 a be themselves in a true sense and b like speak speak truth to power whenever whenever asked so one thing i, I feel like we are we all have to be accountable for is when you're asked to speak up and speak the truth not only for yourself but for people um, beyond you. Um, you're 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 required to do so. So one thing that I've learned to respect right. with Marshawn more so than I can with other athletes is never making excuses for speaking his own truth and being accountable for the for for whomever he is. Um, you know he hasn't always right. how they painted him um, been the person that I would be, but I've enjoyed understanding who he was and appreciating that. And seeing that he's not going to be, um, as he sees it, a whitewashed uh, running back that they want him to be because he didn't get there doing that. He never got to California doing that. Um, he got there being who he was um, from Oakland. So that's what a lot of us don't understand. A lot of us feel like we have to acquiesce as we get into these spaces. But that's something that we do to ourselves as much as it is done to us. Right. And that's crazy that you say that, too, because with Marshawn, you know, he had the balls to walk away. And I think that's something that a lesson that a lot of people can take, you know, advantage of, because a lot of these people that's aspiring to be in some of these high-paying jobs and some of these high-profile celebrity status things, if the carrot is dangled in front of them, there's they, they, no question they're taking the carrot. You know, if you're offering them a, some of these 
you know, people are so into this designer shit. Like, if a Bentley is on the table, then what you need me to do? Because I'm going to need that Bentley. Because when I pull up on that Bentley, boy, I'm going to turn some heads. So what you tell me what you need me to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm game. You know, so, you know, the fact that he had the balls to walk away from his career, like you said, his job, and he, one, that shows that he was uh, good enough with his money to walk away if if there's right. no nothing behind it because the other side of this, so, you know, me and you, you, you know, hitting a, hitting a conspiracy, we don't know if Mar- Marshawn could have took a check to leave the league, and we don't right. even know that. You know what I'm saying? So that's, you, can't, you can't necessarily wipe that out, but even if he did, knowing what it looked like for him to leave, that still is a good for young men to see. That's a good thing for young men to see because you don't you don't you don't sacrifice yourself. And then even with football, because you know, you putting your body on the line. It's almost, it's not even Dave healthy. Chappelle. So it's, it's like, huh? They even with Dave Chappelle walking away. Right, right. And it, and it, but and we but we don't got a lot of examples of that. You know what I'm saying? We got more examples of people selling out than we do, and then coming back later being on some like, oh, I shouldn't have did that. You know, then we do people of the actually bounce, and even with Dave Chappelle, like I'm low key questioning that whole deal too, because it's like so you just come back and then you get out, you're embraced with all like so. What did you have to do to get back into good graces? Because they were shitty, they were literally shitting on you, <laughs> and now you just kind of bounce back, and now you just hot again, and you back on the scene, and you know that's just an interesting thing. Um, but again, you know, not not to take it too deep. I mean, it's a belief. It's a really a, a solid belief. A in your abilities. I mean, I watched this special the other, well, yet, actually last night. Um, it's the belief and doubt in your abilities. I mean, you shouldn't have too much doubt, but you also should have a lot of belief in your abilities, um, as well as belief in something beyond that. So your abilities is just the, is just how the ego expresses itself sometimes. Because just is you putting on your airs, is you putting on your best self. And there's some true, you know, you that's kind of spirals through that as well. And it's crazy that when you start entwining the, the material things and the checks start getting there and the things start coming in, like you start forgetting that even in that talent and ability, you always knew it was something more to it than that. And that's what the 50 million, right. even for me, in my era, but I was going into, into undergraduate when that shit went down. So that shit was even opening right. for me because it was like, bruh, I'm, I'm a former athlete. I've heard the check numbers, and I haven't heard – I haven't heard – you heard a few stories of people declining money and, and, and going a different way, but I, they, it stated in the news that these dudes signed these checks. They signed a contract for these checks, man. Like, so when I heard $50 million on the table and he leaves, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily into all the conspiracy theories and what he was going through, but it was just amazing um, and inspiring to see that, yo, he – it, the check wasn't worth it. Well, for me, what was I opening was the reality that my man left and his show just kind of kept going. Like, they always, you don't matter. Once, once you, going, once like, you have a product happen. that's selling, they're going to keep it pushing. They're going to keep it pushing. They're not going to let their cash cow go. Like, nothing happened. They Like, honestly, right. I, I only watched it because I'm the type of person that, like, I got to see it for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I remember watching an episode or two with um, Rawlins and, and Charlie Murphy, you know, rested in power. And it's just one of the things where, like, damn, like, like you said, it just keep going on without you. But it also inspired me, man. Like, I always knew, like, it's just I have to leave jobs the same way. Because, you right. know, what kind of job it is. Like, for anybody listening, it's like, 
it is inspiring and, 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 and reminds you of the power you have as a human being to leave a job when they don't want you to leave, not when they planned you to leave or none of that. Like, see, when they plan for you to go, when they plan on letting you go, oh, they are inspired and they are, are giddy about letting you go because that's something that the system, believe it or not, preys on. But whenever you just right. up and leave the situation, it is not the best thing for them. They're like, what's going on in your life that made you feel like you can leave the, the plantation? Like, you, you just right. want to be in the wilderness. Right. That's what's going on. Like, and everybody starts to, to, starts to clamor the same message. Like, uh, what you going to do? What you going to do? Like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not right. doing that. I'm a man. <laughs> right. Right. And it's so crazy, too, because like you said, they, 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 they when you – when you need them, it's like all the excuses in the world, people busy, blah, blah, blah. But when they need you, they're like, well, what you need? Like, I remember I was working at Old Navy and, uh, in college, and school was just getting real. And so I had been trying to get them to kind of change my schedule because I was like, man, I'd be working, and I just need more time for school. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, I need more time. They're like, well, you know, we can see these days. And then finally the day that I told the manager I was going to leave, quit. She was like, yeah, so, um, I mean, we can just put you on the schedule for a day. And it's like, but I just asked you that, though. Right. <laughs> and you couldn't do it. So don't even worry about it. I'm about to go finish my degree. Like, you, you stay here. I'm going I'm to go finish school. Like, y'all wildin'. Omar. So it's, 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 it's on every level. Similar story, man. So when I started my teaching career, I, at this point in time, I'm working at the uh, uh, YMCA. And the YMCA, we had a good run. You know, I worked a couple jobs for them, but I tried to be respectful and let them know, hey, I'm about to start a career. Um, it pays a salary. So I'm letting you know this now because the teacher work days are coming up, and I'm not going to try to work around teacher work days. That's a full-time job. You know what I'm saying? And basically, right. YMCA is like, hey, we put your name on the schedule. That means you're required to be here. Um, tough titty. You, may, you, you figure it out. You know what I'm saying? That that's the, I, I I said okay. Well, I see that you <laughs> didn't see what I said well. Um, and right. I remember as I left my last shift, sending them the email like per per immediately. That was the first two words per immediately. <laughs> like this is right. my this is you know resignation. Like I I, I treat it like like they do a press conference, but letting them know like you cannot and will not like dictate what I do. Uh, and that, and that, and, right. that, and and believe it or not, years later, the same thing happened in the teaching career. Like this is still an understanding that um, I I I have the agency and autonomy to leave this, and it's not on your time, it's not on your terms. Right. And 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 I had it. It was crazy too. Now that now that we're talking it through, I had it happen again. So it seems like that this is just a thing in general. Because you got two examples. I got two examples, and me and you just two regular Joes on the street. Right, right. Now, don't get me wrong. At the time it happened, oh, and I'm pretty sure with your situations, with both situations, it's kind of like, y'all are paying my bills. I'm leaving this not knowing what the fuck's about to happen with these bills. <laughs> right. It's Honestly, right. I'm, already, I'm already thinking about how many how many jars of peanut butter and loads of bread I done stocked up. <laughs> Talking this shit, right? Right. <laughs> Just to prepare, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I and know it, how it, I am. It's really crazy. <laughs> it's really crazy too, because it's like, man, like you said, people. It, 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 the the you really get to find out who care about who and what care about what, and like 
what what really count, you know, and kind of because I I had um I had two more two more things I wanted to hit, and I'm trying to try to time in. Um, I'm gonna skip over the Ball brothers going overseas because that's we already talked about Levar Ball, and that's interesting. Go get your little bag, I guess. Um, but one of the things I wanted to hit today too before we got off was uh, Diddy buying the Panthers, and because that's kind of related to what you were saying about like what it's gonna look like. And Diddy said himself, um, it's gonna be the hottest halftime show, the hottest this, the hottest jerseys. And I sat there and thought about it. I was like, you know what? If Diddy brought ball and was the owner of the Carolina Panthers, it would probably be the most popping NFL stadium and team at least for two or three years, just because of who he is, the people that he would attract. Atlanta right down the road, he got a connection to all of these artists and different. So it would literally change. It would urbanize, like you said. It would look. It would be very different. It wouldn't be Aerosmith during halftime. It would be uh, hypnotized. By Biggie, you know what I'm saying? It would be more money, more problems. You know, it, it, it would be Mace coming out and doing an actual performance. You know, so it, it's one of them situations where cause I had a conversation with somebody, and uh, I was like, dang, you know, that was kind of jacked up that dude laughed. Like some regular old dude was laughing about Diddy talking about buying the Panthers, and that's just crazy. And he was just, he had laughed about it, and I was like, why is that so crazy to him? But then when I thought about it, I was like, Oh yeah, the NFL is kind of racist on that owner side. Like, yeah, right. Not necessarily won't Diddy blackface, um, and he outspoken and he he a little over the top. They, they, who want to sit in the room with? Like if you in the owners meeting and he in there, he gonna he gonna do what he need to do for his brand. And if he's right. carrying the league, if he literally got the highest raise, he gonna make demands. And he done did enough business with industry where. I mean, he he's so connected to other industry that how do you – he would bring industry to the city of Charlotte just in that one move, in that right. one move. So it's just like how do people not necessarily I – mean, I mean, I guess if you don't care for him and you don't care for what he stands for, you know, I'm you coming, wouldn't necessarily want that to be part. I'm coming. Go ahead, finish. Say what? <laughs> I'm coming. Well, That's my just, part. It's just, it's, just one of them, it's just one of them things where it's just like, man, how do you not want that because it's like – he not only so he talked about giving Kaepernick a chance. I don't really know. I mean, I get it. I get what you're trying to say, but it's kind of like you kind of got a star quarterback. But at the same time, you got you know that'd be almost like um, a nice. I mean, because you you pitting two black dudes or supposedly two black dudes together, um, and I I don't really stand for Cam Newton at all. Like forget standing for your flag. I don't stand for Cam Newton. So I mean, it's a situation where you know I like you know I like what he's done for the franchise. But uh, he's made he's wore some outfits and made some comments and not made some comments that's been pretty offensive. So it's one of them situations where I'm just thinking about the money that I would make myself if Diddy owned the Panthers and the things that because it's just like you you could just see all the opportunities and so it's like the, the city's already a brown city like the city should be behind this like that'd be the dopest thing he it, could he get Michael Jordan to come in could he get Jay Z to come in could he get any of these local influencers to come in and put some money up too, so it's a legit option, so they could share it or something like that. But I just, I just want to hear what you think about it, because again, I think it's an amazing idea, and I think I would make, I think in that first year in the Panthers being in Charlotte, I would make myself a, a, a easy extra thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars that year. I mean, for for you, Omar, I'm definitely here for it. Um, I want to start by saying, like, I'm not a huge P Diddy fan. I'm not. I'm not I never really was. I, I didn't really understand talent. I, I I get the hits. 
But um, at this point in time and the meteoric rise of his, whatever you want to call it, I'm not hu the hugest fan. Um, I w I'm here for the, for the idea of black ownership in anything. Um, but where, where, where it loses me is um, sometimes we get wrapped up too quickly in what we perceive it will automatically look like. Now, um, how I was describing it, it was, it was just purely like, um, it's still, it, it still is an imagination for him because we haven't had it in such a long time. So, and even when he was describing and I was like, see, you almost sold playing in the NFL franchise, P. Diddy, and that's the shit that Soul Plane was trying to kind of get us in, like this kind of trap mindset of um, we will be the wild and crazy different than um, our, our white counterparts, and that's not the truth at all. That's that's why we keep going back and forth sometimes in that debate about, uh, you know, respectability and appropriateness and all that kind of bullshit. Um, so, but it's still one of those things where still the idea of, Black ownership, we would see it in the NBA when we had Robert Johnson with the, with the Bobcats and now the Hornets with Michael Jordan, that anywhere where you have a, a concentration of blackness, whether it be in the city or in the ownership, is going to be different. Like the Hornets jerseys now are so much funkier now than the originals. I, I, you got to just, just like the whole concept is, is back to, is, is, is current, is cutting edge. Even when I think about the Atlanta Hawks and the Oregon player, even in, in, in New Orleans, like in just the feel of the of the stadium and arena and how you have to um, influence the music and the style and the culture and having a DJ there um, with Tigger in there and, and, and in the Phillips arena to entertain this major black city, you know what I'm saying, um, being sports entertainment. Right. So I get what Diddy was saying. Now, I do – I am a person that – Hey, you can you don't have to kill the messenger, but you can send a warning shot. So I was a person that wasn't a fan of necessarily the messenger, um, because we still have people who can move without this all this fanfare. So Diddy is a is a fanfare type mover. Um, he also like 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 I said, it, it it didn't it didn't it didn't put like necessarily like true staples in it. Diddy, from what he he presents, is a businessman. So to make those comments without full knowledge of you know, the Carolina Panthers to me was like, all right, this is Diddy blowing smoke. This is Diddy being, Diddy. this is Diddy the character. And I don't necessarily take this as Diddy the businessman who's serious about doing some shit. Well, and I will say too, the one thing that made me think that it wasn't serious was when he said he would give Kaepernick a chance. Absolutely. It's almost like, so you're just going to go into a system that's already set up and just throw a whole wrench in it. Like from an NFL owner's perspective and from a success in football perspective, that don't make no sense. So, right. like you said, that kind of goes to the whole idea. Of, but then, like you said, we already know that Diddy is the microwave owner, so he only going to deal with you while you're hot. And once you're not I mean, hot no more, he's pretty done. I mean, I mean, it's almost like we, we, we talk about Diddy like Jay-Z ain't already done, like, a little bit of this already with the Brooklyn Nets. Like, the Brooklyn Nets boost with Jay-Z right. as a blah, blah owner for however long that lasted was, was crazy. Like, honestly – I'm not sure I would have known the Nets move from New Jersey to Brooklyn if Jay-Z wouldn't have said anything. You wouldn't have, and you wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't <laughs> have. You wouldn't have cared. Wouldn't have. But, like, but like somebody said, you know, what better way to uh, uh, dislocate and displace uh, uh, my, um, what's the word, low-income people by having a well-known rapper be the face of it? You know, so when you really think about it, it's like he's the place, he's the face of displacing poor people in his community where he was born, raised or, you know, close to where he, where he, his old stomping grounds were, you know, so it's kind of like that, that's weird in itself. And from the people that I know that live in New York, 
they say Brooklyn and Harlem ain't nothing like it used to be. So it's like he had a hand in that, and I don't know if that's good, you know, because he right. came from it. So if it wasn't for the experiences, uh, he wouldn't be who he is. So to just have a hand in taking it away, that's just interesting. Um, but, yeah, la- last thing I want to hit uh, tonight uh, before we get off, um, we always, I like, you know, the hip-hop talk. Um, uh, Nicki Minaj said uh, it's a good time to be a white rapper, and she was referencing the, uh, and I love hip-hop talk with you because you always keep it real, and we always have real good hip-hop talk, especially as it relates to general uh, awareness. But um, she just said it was a good time to be a white rapper. And I didn't know all this. Like, I didn't know she I, – I was listening to an interview, and that's when I heard it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then they were like, yeah, you know, you look at the billboards and a lot of the, you know, people are white. And da, 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 da. So I was like, oh, okay, that's crazy. But apparently, like, people were really, like, feeling away. Some people was really feeling away. And I was like, you know, for me, it's like you've kind of seen it a mile away, you know, because when, when they said Eminem was rap god, and then, and that, and then maybe for, like, we, we should do a whole episode on this new Eminem. Um, cause he, I don't know if you heard the white boy song, but it's pretty crazy on some, like, you know, you a white boy, you privileged, like he's really almost making a parody of whiteness and how it's like, you, you're, you, you're like you in this country, you're kind of it. So what, what do you have to complain about? But, um, well, you can see it a mile away when Eminem come and then, you know, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, Kelly come and then Yellow Wolf come and they all that same kind of rapper. And it's like every white rapper that they was pulling out was this, like, lyrical phenom, or at least that's the way that they was presenting it. And then all these black rappers that were coming, that were given the same airtime and FaceTime were all trap rappers, super, you know, just regular. And then now it's shifted to the point where the white rappers are the trap rappers. So, like, you got your little pumps in these. I don't even know if he's white, but you got your little pumps, and then you got uh, little Pete that died overdose. It's like, okay, so. And then you got, uh, have you seen that 6ix9ine dude with the gumbo song? Yes. New York. Yes. That's wild. And I don't think he I mean, I don't think he's white. I think he he look like he might be Hispanic or something. But just the, the fact that they're taking the face, like pretty much the the, 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 the main face is not it's slowly not a face of color. Kinda like what happened to Jazz. You know, right. so it's one of them things where like how like like what is gonna be so will it be a thing where the mainstream hip hop is gonna be like a little pumping friends and then the underground hip hop will be the real hip hop or we I mean, like you said in a previous podcast we just gonna call it something different like how are people because I mean Gucci Gang is an alright little song but fuck out of here little pump like when I see this image and there's no disrespect to him I don't know nothing about him like I said he might no. be black no. for all I know and just fair no. skin but disrespect. I ain't trying to hear it when I see it. I don't connect to it. Um, I don't. I don't want to celebrate it. Um, I don't want to because it's almost like what are you, like. And again, yeah, and that's the hard part about society now because you got these kids that's been raised on hip hop. They've been raised in the streets, so you really don't know if they really about their life or not. But everybody looks apart now. You know, right. you got the hair with the crazy hair. You smoke. You, you do lean. You know, you got the double, the double, the double, kind of flow. You know, so it's yeah. just one of them things where it's like, what's what now? Like, what is the end game and what's what's next up? You know, and then you still present Eminem the rap god as Eminem the rap god. You know, so what is the deal? Eminem doing Coachella right now. Eminem doing Coachella. Right, I've seen that. But, but look, Beyonce is too. <laughs> Beyonce is too. Hey, man. So it's which, one of them. Which honestly shows, like, the disrespect because, like, Eminem, none of his albums the last couple have done anything that Beyonce's have, but they both doing Coachella. 
<laughs> right. But they doing Coachella because Eminem got that song with Beyonce. <laughs> uh, and that's literally uh, the point of that. That's literally the point of that. Cause, and, it, and what's crazy, though, if you listen to the song and you listen to the lyrics of what he's saying and what she's saying in the hook, it's actually a pretty dope song from a concept place. Because he say, did she say, I walk on water, I walk on water when it's frozen. So I cannot walk on water. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of them. And so it was an interesting concept because he's saying pretty much like, y'all saying I'm this rap god, but like, the pressure of being this rap god is kind of a lot, and I'm just me, and I want to. I'm regular, and there are people out here talented, but it's like, I'm y'all have put me in such a high place that I can do something that's amazing, but because I've done amazing things, you don't see it as such, and I don't get credit. And y'all start saying I'm trash, and then it hit my ego, so it's like, am I trash? Because we always knew Eminem wasn't the most confident, and the most like we always knew he was just a kind of a, a loose cannon type, and he had right. some kind of insecurities. And this is kind of exposing it more. Um, the first part, so that's what's making it interesting to me. Well, now, I'm gonna go back to your original point, oh, which is like what Nicki Minaj said. Which, I mean, wisdom and knowledge can come from all places. I mean, it's one of those things where no knock on her, but like that we've seen this before in hip hop, where somebody say some real shit, but because of their prior behavior, people would dismiss it. Um, one thing I've seen recently is just that, like this kind of affinity or trying to like kumbaya we're all together mentality that um, people just try to like employ without trying, like you got to ignore stuff to employ that mentality. So even when, even when you present it like that gambit of we're going to inundate you with um, really thugged out, like no um, morals, like that's what A&R is going to be looking for. No kind of like rhyme scheme, no kind of like, we're going to be looking for like what we call like, like what people at some point in time, like, Consider it's like trash rap. We're going to look for that. And then uh, all the white rappers, we're going to go for like that old school, lyrical, put it together. Da, and that's the landscape they kind of presented to even even with Eminem, before Eminem Vanilla Ice. Like it's always going to be a kind of like, we want to show you the refined version in us. Um, one thing I right. do like is in hip hop, to me, we've never latched on to a lot of those um, tropes that. Um, Others have latched on to, and I've heard this other places where it's like, when you think back to hip-hop, even to the music videos, hip-hop wasn't really on a whole lot of interracial, like having all types of women in videos initially. Because, right. I mean, most right. of the videos were in neighborhoods that they were in. Like, even when I think about, like, Southern hip-hop, most Southern hip-hop videos that I enjoy and go back and look at is like, bro, that's right down there on, on Helen and DeLoe, and where you going to find that white right. chick? Like, yeah, you might have white people there because they live in Atlanta. But you're not going to have it where it's, like, inundated where you're trying to show really, like, we're trying to show you, like, affinity for white women or an affinity for white men if you're talking about, like, a Nicki Minaj. You see what I'm saying? So it's like right. hip-hop has always been um, clearly standing apart from American culture and taking a stance that sometimes has been called, like, um, non-progressive, behind the times. Like, that's why hip-hop always, when it comes to LGBTQ, um, comes into some type of, you know, debate because hip-hop is very, like, uh, apart from whatever America now say is buzzworthy. Um, so when it comes to the whiteness, right. it's like I it's become buzzworthy for, oh, that white guy is just as good as this guy. They just as good as that guy. And it's kind of like, well, in hip-hop, I've always felt like, hey, man, you can be good, but you just can't be the mayor. You just can't be the governor. You just can't be the president of this shit. Like, right. that's just, like, right. you, I, I can stand on that because you stand on that when you talk about the Constitution. So in, in this in this area, right. culture, 
we have a different rank and file, and because you don't understand it and it's not as hierarchical as you like to see it, you can't. You just can't. And I and I won't let myself. Oh my! I know I'm, I know I'm going on and on, but I won't let myself start to introduce into you know something that's still forming and developing, and us still recognizing our elders to still all, all of a sudden throw a, somebody who is outside of my culture in it, who, or who can oscillate between cultures at their leisure. Now, I'm talking to you, Eminem and, and Justin Timberlake. Like you can come in and out when you choose, and whenever the heat gets on you, you go back to um, you know who you are really. Um, Eminem hasn't had the same heat on him as a hip-hop artist that others have for the things he said, for the ways he lived his life, and, and the abuse that he's not only endured, but also perpetuated for his drug abuse. Right. Like, we can go on and on about how his career has been different, and how still at this point, he we still talk about him as, as far as, oh, is he the best rapper ever? I won't ever say that. Oh, yeah, no. Eminem, Eminem. I mean, I guess if you look at it and say from a rapper, like a a, a person that rhymes words, I mean, he no. may be. You know, no. Because he's like, you know, I, no, I don't even give Dr. Shaq. It's like, well, yeah, you're just rhyming, but right, like, I can do that. Say what? I don't even give rhyming, like, oh, man, Dr. Seuss was so good at rhyming in books. No, I don't even give it to him. Like, you understand that I have this idea and this, right. I'm trying to stand on this that, hey, man, like, I have been inundated with your your culture and the idea that your culture is somehow um, inextricably better than a culture that I was born into. Right. You try right. to convince me. And I like, think for me that's hip hop is starting Detroit. <laughs> right. Go ahead. Right. I'm sorry. And for me, for me, for me, it's kind of like the whole idea of um, you know, you 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 can't. It's, there, there's a world of people, so to say that this person is the best version of it without seeing the world of people, or to, to not understand the music industry where it's like, well, you got to understand the music industry. It's not about music. You know, it's not about who's making the best, the best music. So once right. you grow to understand that, you can grow to understand that, like, the people that's in front of you ain't really the best artist. So, you know, right. so um, it's a situation where it's like, I, because I had a homeboy he was the biggest Eminem fan. Like, I'm still raving and ranting about Biggie. I'm listening to Biggie, and they done put Eminem on Dead Wrong, and he done had his little verse. And, bro, when I tell you this Eminem Dead Wrong verse, I used to love this verse. Like, I used to just, every time, like, I couldn't wait for it to come. It's several different levels. That verse, horse said, he was a sacrifice cannibalist. And then I didn't, as a grown man, though, I said, this man said, there are several different levels to cannibalism. What do you say? Several different levels of cannibalism. Something having something having sex with him. It, it just it was just crazy what he was saying. Like, right? It was like, damn, horse heads and having sex with animals and murder and just shit that I couldn't relate to. And I was like, well, damn, why do I like this verse so much? Because I like Biggie. I'm a huge Biggie fan. The beat smash. So I, I like the song. But what was it about his? verse that just attracted to me and I was like I ain't never heard nothing like this before because he's saying some whole other shit like he, right. he said that's what it was the several different levels to devil worshiping horses heads human sacrifices cannibalism animals exorcism animals having sex with them camels mammals and rabbits but I don't get into that I kick the habit I just beat you to death with weapons that eat through the like it's like damn like so you say you talking about cannibalism what? like all that shit like it's just like 
that's not black. That's not I can't. Yo, say Marshall, black, what are you talking not, about? <laughs> you said what? I said, yo, Marshall, what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. It's I mean, but that, things where it's like, well, that's just, just he's that. That's who he is. You know, he's right. he, he's really that kind of blood and gore. You know, pin in the eyeball kind of rapper. You know, but but really, so really, we're focused on so much on this rhyme scheme that we're not really having a full conversation of what he's actually saying. And like little kids are walking around saying that several different levels of devil worshiping, horses as human sacrifice. Like what? Like that's just it's just crazy when you really slow down and think about. Go ahead. And it's and, and it's crazy because like I see, I went to a county school. Omar, you know, you went out there as well. Like they love that shit, and understanding that the oh, current yeah. open crisis and and the generation that that's our age, who on the other end, um, it's interesting because they're hip hoppers via Eminem, so they've seen themselves right. on the either in the culture fully or somehow on the periphery because of Eminem eight mile that whole generation. So it's kind of like his lyrics did exactly what you said that our lyrics were doing to our children, but now you're trying to gloss it over with something else. Or you're like, you at least not calling it what it is. Right. That's what's amazing to me because it's kind of like, oh no, what you just said, Omar, as far as like kids are walking around saying that, like I want Eastern Guilford, bro. Like, yes, kids are walking around there saying that. All that whole baby killing, all that stuff, they were walking around saying those things. So to see people doing those things, you know, and I'm talking about, when I say people, I'm talking about like white, urban or rural, doing those things that Eminem was saying in those songs years ago, it's like, where's, where, where's the congressional hearing on this shit? Like, are you going to call it something else? Right. right. Now, could that be because some of the people that would call such a congressional hearing they deal and dabble in some of the shit that Eminem talk about. That's not my truth to tell, but I mean, I think what it speaks to, and I'm hearing it from the outside, is that that means there's a valuation there. There's a there's a pass that will be given because not only um, is it possible recognition of, but there's a well, that's not wild for you because I respect your humanity and anything that you do, I can kind of make excuses for in my mind and my psychology versus like. Any, any way of being of, of the people I, I want to make inhuman, subhuman, um, I make it seem like, well, that's the most subhuman thing you could honestly be into. Right, right. And I think, too, uh, would you say would you say um, Lil Pump and Lil Peep are 2018 versions of Eminem? It's just a different time, so the what it calls for to be that character is different. So maybe you don't got to be super lyrical, but you still got to be kind of wacky in your appearance and wacky in kind of what you're saying and what you're into. Because um, like I, I said, I, Old Boy with the Gummo song. Old Boy with the Gummo song looks scary, but he got like pink and blue hair or something like that. Now, right. I do believe that he would shoot me in the face just by looking at him. I do right. believe that he would shoot me in the face. Um, but... When did that turn on that that's what a gangster looked like? Like, when, feel, what, was it Wiz Khalifa, <laughs> who wasn't even a gangster? Like, when did it start where it was like, you know, this this crazy version? We've seen the shifting images of hip-hop, uh, hip and, I mean, one thing that you're kind of speaking to is kind of like 
it's becoming an amalgamation where like everybody looks like everything, which on one level is okay, right. but on another level is like, well, hold on, like even with uh, what's my dude? It's uh, Lil Uzi or uh, look, is it Uzi Vert? No, it's Yachty. It's Yachty. That's what I'm talking about. Well, Lil Yachty, like his whole image with the red hair and the and the locks or or plaits or whatever it is, and it's kind of like you would think that uh, oh man, this dude is a you know he probably was on the blocks in New York or you know what I'm saying like oh my he might be from Miami and it's like oh no nah, he's from rural Georgia outside you know outside of Atlanta and he's like a middle class kid right. who just kind of you know kind of kind of janky you know kind of kind of just weird a little bit you know but he got a sound so it's kind of like the internet has made this kind of culture where everybody can just kind of put on a costume like it's like a it's like Fifth Element right now so it's like if you find a look that you like and you want to like blonde half your hair or one day you want to go all blue like we just walk outside and then we just see it, man. It's just like, oh, okay, that's what you're doing today because you're just feeling spicy. Like, I mean, I'm 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 cool with it because I mean it's the society I live in, but I'm also kind of one of those things where, like you said, like what, how we consume these images. Because when I see that, I was like, ah, this is what you this is what you interpret when you see it from me. So what 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 the I can't remember the guy's name, but what he. What he's exemplifying is what he saw when he saw Lil Wayne and the Hot Boys back in the 90s when I was growing right. up. When he saw the bling bling and the chains and the teeth, this is what he thought it looked like. And um, I can't always try to ascend, like, I'm not from a cultural lens where I can see it through the white eyes. So I don't, I, even the most, right. uh, uh, as what, what some people would call foolish blackness, I'm always like, well, no, man, like, they're from this place and they, this is what this represents. Because kind of, we don't do anything without purpose. But then when I see somebody else who has the pink and purple hair and the rainbow fronts and the um, gaudy, like when I say gaudy, I mean like it doesn't, it's outside of any bounds of like, you can't use this. I know you're trying to right. show a hip hop culture through the white lens. Right. Right. And you know, you know, like I said, this, this, I'm, I'm going to go into my last point after this, but you know, when, when I really realized that, Hip hop and uh, I mean c- culture has always been co-opted. Let's be clear, all culture is co-opted because it's a way to maintain control over images and people's opinions. But right. um, I knew when the dude from Worldstar died, he died, and I'm a I I fucks with Worldstar. It's it's ratchet and I fucks with it. That's my right. guilty pleasure. And I, you know, and on some level too, you 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 get a little bit of news from Worldstar if you really you know, watch some of the videos that's on there because it's not all BS. But right. I knew it had co-opted when, you know how they used to have the, like, model girls on there and they right. would just be, you know, in a thong or in a bathtub or in the shower. For the most part, now, all of them be Hispanic and white. Right. Every single one. And I'm looking and looking like, dang, they ever going to put a black girl back up here? You know, and again, yeah. I mean. Ain't no more black girls. Ain't no black perking no, no, black perkin no more. You said what? Ain't no more twerking? Nope. I mean, if it is, she's Russian or it's a Becky. But, again, it's a situation where, you know, this was considered one of the homes of raw culture, whether it was good or bad. And for it to be, like I said, co-opted in that way, I don't even know if other people even notice. Like, I ain't never seen so many fat butt white girls in my life. (laughs) I've seen on World Stars. In the last but this, month or however it belongs to me. What you what you're pointing out is a, is a, is an internet version of gentrification. Like it's a constant rush on black spaces, black bodies, black thought, black. It's a constant like, hey, 
I can't exist in my own being. I'm somehow trying to infiltrate yours. Like, even when it comes to, like, right. even when, like, I didn't think they knew about Worldstar. I mean, I was a person that was always like, bruh, if, if they ever hear about Worldstar, this is the worst place because this is where, like you said, this is where the uh, crust of black people can be found as well as the news. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, this is a, this is a all, it's kind of the Reddit, because I know about Reddit. Yeah, I'm, I'm hip. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of the Reddit right. for black people. Like, hey, we got our space right. over here where we got all kind of shit, and y'all got all kind of shit over there on Reddit. All right. But like right. you said, like once that once that switch happened, you know, rest his soul. Did anybody peep that like on the internet your space can be gentrified? Like even like that's what the whole black Twitter conversation is kind of like with the Russians and shit. It's kind of like yeah, like we was we got into black Twitter to stir some shit up because the whole social media is really us interacting with black people because we can't do it out in public. Right, right, right. And everything, nothing is like nothing is safe. Everything, if it's, if it's big and it's out there for you to go consume, just know that a hand might be in it that's going to feed you some opinion. Um, right. And with that being said, I want to go into this uh, last word. Um, thank you all again for kind of jumping back in with us. We've been up and down with the podcast. Hopefully we can, on some level, uh, really is me, hopefully I can on some level um, be more consistent and kind of do this more often because I know people enjoy it. I don't know if you caught the beginning of it, but I looked at the uh, listens, and, bro, people from Norway, or not Norway, Ukraine listening, people from Russia listening, people from uh, Australia listening, people from Canada listening, and I don't care if there's one person in each one of them countries, people listening, and that's dope to me. So we're going to keep putting this content out. We're going to try to keep it interesting. Um, I had a conversation with somebody white. If you're a white person that's listening to this, I don't want you to be offended by what we be saying. It's just that you got to understand that it's not too many places where people allow people of color to freely express their opinions on cultural things without being judged. So this is a place for that. And then, um, you know, um, I think people should know that, like, mainstream American culture is white European culture. As, As much of a as much of a, of, a, of a melting pot as America is, you know, what's being, what, what, what gets the face time and what's considered the norms are attached to one particular culture, and the rest of us just kind of fall in line. So, and you think you begin to believe it's normal for real because everyone's falling in line, but if we did not have to fall in line, know that we would not fall in line. So um, it's one of them situations where, I don't mean no disrespect to nobody. My son ain't putting no dye in his hair. If you got dye in your hair, that's what's up. But everything that we talk about on here is for educational purposes. It's for you to consume and make your own judgments about. So thank you all again for listening. Please keep an open mind, and we're definitely going to try to hit you all with some more content as the year go on. Oh, man. How do I follow that, man? Like, all right, man, like, as O was saying, like, Hey, first and foremost, appreciate people all over the world, it sounds like, um, listening to what we're doing on here, just kind of uh, rapping and, and expressing ourselves. Um, but also, like you said, like, be wary of what you're consuming. It's a lot of, like, uh, hands out there trying to put a little bit in on what you're consuming. So, you know, even as we, you know, give our raw reflections on this, like, it's for your own consumption, for you to shit out on your own. So, um, do your own kind of reading and, and engaging and keep, you know, be active in the world because 
Um, as much as this is a void space, it's not a space to be void. So keep doing your thing and keep looking upward. Word. And with that, thank y'all for joining us for another version of King Vision. Peace.